So, Mark. Yes. It has been a week since we talked about how to lose a guy with 10 days. In 10 days, excuse me. Yes. I can't even remember the title. That's how much I'm trying to drive it out of my head. (laughs) Yeah, a week in which I didn't have to talk about it that you are now ending. Thank you very much. I'm ending it for an important reason, which is that I was so all-consumed with trying to explain everything wrong with that movie last week. Right. That I forgot about perhaps the most wrong thing the movie ever did, and yet also the most amazing. I'm sending you a link right now. Okay. This is a link to an Amazon page that is selling the How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days board game. Oh my god. The ultimate dating game for believers and deceivers. One of them is lying. So is the other one. So... I'll post this on our social media, but this is like a full-size game, like your standard size, like Monopoly or Sorry Box, with a picture of Matthew McConaughey and Kate Hudson back-to-back sort of like looking slyly at each other. And it announces excitedly that it is board game, exclamation point, for one couple at a time. I have been able to find zero reviews of this game, but there seem to be movers that I think are like cardboard cutouts of characters from the movie. Because the way I discovered this was by reading an interview with Katherine Hahn, where she mentioned that there was a board game piece based on her. Oh my god. I have to find out more. I can't find out much about the gameplay. I looked at a bunch of board game websites, and they had that it existed, but no information. And it seems like it's kind of just like a draw the next card, do whatever it says. Yeah. Not really any strategy involved, just like a weird movie tie-in. And it was it was like advanced merchandise. This came out shortly before the movie did. Okay. So it wasn't like the movie was a huge hit and they're like, I gotta cash in somehow. They were like, no. The best tie-in merchandise we can do for this movie is a board game. Do you want me to read the description I found on BoardGameGeek.com? Yes, I do. Very simple roll-and-move game where players try to pick up rewards and avoid traps. It was released as a promotional tie-in to the film. That's the only information I can find. That's all I can find. I checked a ton of those gaming websites, and there's nothing. So if you know anything about the How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days board game, or better yet, if you have played it or currently own it, get in touch with us, because I have a million questions. I want to know everything about it. Yeah, also, we want to play it. We really want to play it. (laughs) Please find this game. There is one left in stock on Amazon. It is selling for $40, which is, like, reasonable for a good game. But this is clearly not that. Oh, for sure. I would never put out $40 for this clearly dreadful game. Will, should we start a Heart of Podness wish list on Amazon so people just (laughs) buy us things? It's just gonna be, like, the book that the Parent Trap was based on. Um, this... And, oh, oh, um, a Laserdisc projector. I think we've said, bias this. More than that, I just can't remember what it was for. I want a Laserdisc projector, Mark. I know you do, bud. I know you we do. We should do it. Why? So we could watch Laserdiscs. What is the point? What's the point of sunshine, Mark? It brings joy to your life. I really feel like DVDs are already so outdated that I should stop buying them. And there are like four Blu-ray players in our house. I know, we should not go backwards into Laserdiscs. No, 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 oh, says the man who owns a record player. I feel like you can't say Laserdiscs have a different video quality. We don't know! Worse. We've never tried it! I've watched a Laserdisc, Will. Okay, so tell me. It was a, like, 1970s the bar you set, The bar you set... The bar you set was, we can't say Laserdiscs have a different quality. (laughs) That is true. I bet better. But also, oh my god. 
it was so insane. What it was, was it about? Like, it was in my 10th grade chemistry class. The teacher pulled out a laser disc and everyone in class was just like, what is going on here? I don't remember what it was on. All I remember is Mr. Cox holding a giant CD. It'd be amazing. If you say so. How much are they? I don't know. I'm going on eBay right now. I shouldn't even be allowed to go on eBay. I bought more historic campaign buttons today. Who are you? The person from National Treasure, whose name I'm totally forgetting, <laughs> Diane Kruger. Diane ah! Kruger National Treasure. What was her character's name? I don't know. Christine something? That's not it. Christine. That seems right. Huh, you know what? Like 75 bucks. It's reasonable. Oh, this looks like 65. Oh, laser disc player slash karaoke. Okay, well, maybe now I'm on board. This one's 35 bucks. Yeah, people are like unloading their laser disc players for some reason. I wonder why. Yeah, I can't figure it out. What's VCD? Is that laser disc? I have no idea. Yeah. If you are a laser disc expert, uh, laser at us on Twitter at Art of Podness. Because Walmart has something that could potentially play laser discs for only $25. In which case. <sighs> I won't stop you. Fuck. Okay, VCD does not seem to be Laserdisc. Poop. Because it's just a normal size CD. Okay. Sorry, man. So it goes. I'm, I'm feeling good about this. I'm feeling optimistic. We're going to play the How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days board game. We're going to get a Laserdisc player, and at some point, we'll read the Parent Trap book. That's the one that's, like, German, right? It's the German one, yeah. Okay, I totally forgotten. Yeah, I'd totally forgotten why we were talking about that. And then I was just like, oh, yeah, uh-huh, follow along with this joke. <laughs> and now I remember why. Yeah, we don't have to read the Princess Diaries books because Rachel did that for us. Yeah, thank God. There's so many of them. We'll be getting installment number two in hashtag PD summaries, which needs a better hashtag. Yeah. I don't know what it is. Maybe we can Rachel, pull... if you can think of a hashtag, too. Please. Uh, maybe we can pull something from one of the summaries. Hopefully. Yeah. But... It's time for Heart of Podness. Man, we got so much to talk about today. Hello, I'm Mark and I'm gay. And I'm Will and I'm a ginger. And this is a podcast where we delve deep into cinematic love stories to answer the age-old question. Does Hollywood romance actually make any sense? And are these people actually dateable or even likable? It doesn't matter if the romance is a main plot or if it's a one-scene flirtation. We'll dig in and see what's there. And Mark, I'm feeling really self-conscious about my gestures towards you because last week you <laughs> called me out on how I gesture towards you while I'm doing that as though it's a new idea. Well, you know what? I wrote it. I'm proud of it. I say it every week. We're going on a year of this now and I'm going to do what I want. I didn't mean for you to stop. I just think it's hilarious and that the people should know. You okay. betrayed me by airing my secrets publicly. Okay, so this week we're talking about the 1996 film The Birdcage. Yeah, this was this was your pick. Yeah, so it stars Robin Williams and Nathan Lane, as well as Gene Hackman and Diane Weist. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like we haven't really done any same-sex couple movies, except for Call Me By Your Name. Yeah. So I figured it was time. No, totally, yeah. And I don't know how we overlooked that. Yeah, and this is one of those, like, classic cult 90s gay films. I want to do this. At some point, I want to do Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. The thing is, like, this wasn't even, like, a cult film when it came out. This was a no, genuine hit. I mean, the movie opened at number one, stayed there for four weeks. I really am so shocked by all of it. It did not leave the top ten until its 13th week of release. Oh my god. This movie made a ton of money, and it was basically snubbed by the Oscars. The only nomination it got was for production design, but it won the SAG Award for Best Performance by a Cast, which is their version of Best Picture. I'm not surprised. The Oscars suck. (laughs) 
<laughs> what did you think? Like, I'd never seen this before. I was very excited to watch it. I had no idea what I was getting into. Yeah. I knew it was Nathan Lane and Robin Williams, and it was about gay people. And yeah. it was so, so fun. It's it, so funny. It's so 90s in a very particular way in its reference points. Yeah. Like, this is a movie that's influenced by the OJ trial, that's influenced by the Clinton stuff, yeah. that's influenced by the Republican Revolution of 94. There are so many pieces of that. Oh, for sure. This movie is very, like, of its era. And mostly through Gene Hackman's character yeah. as Senator Kevin Keeley, who is delicious. I mean, Gene Hackman is just always a blast, especially when he gets to play villainy. Oh, yeah. And also... I mean, we'll talk about this later, I'm sure, but I think the most 90s part of this is all of the fashion, which is just incredible. Every extra in this movie is beautiful. Yeah, so this movie, um, brief summary, Robin Williams plays Armand Cole, what's his real name? <laughs> what's his real name? I think it's Goldman. Goldman. Because Ar- it's distinct, it's supposed to signal like, oh, Jewish. Right, so he's Armand Goldman, he owns a drag club right on South Beach. Clearly very successful. Yeah, and which we get right away from the beginning of the right. movie. There's this shot, the movie's cinematography is by Emmanuel Lubezki, who had just come off his first Oscar nomination. Yeah. Um, he now has three. Three wins. Three wins, yes, 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 for Gravity, Birdman, and The Revenant. Right. Um, so it starts with this shot, like, zooming across the ocean towards Miami. Yeah. And you zoom in on the title card replicated on the front of the building, the birdcage is the, the club. And we go right in and it's clear that like Robin Williams is running the show and has a lot going on. Yeah. And it's beachfront property on a very busy stretch of beach. And he runs the club and the star of the show is Starina. Or Great name. Albert, who is uh, the longtime partner of Robin Williams. Yeah. So... Yeah, those two, their costumes, man. Robin Williams has this glorious mustache. Robin Williams' mustache is an incredible thing. He's got this, it's Robin Williams, as you know and love him, but with this Ned Flanders mustache that just grabs your attention and is like, look at this! Yeah, the whole movie. It's the amazing. Only, the only thing that can take away from it is when Nathan Lane is being the most Nathan Lane <laughs> of any role, and honestly just... So much screen time is just him being so ridiculous, and I love it. Yeah, every he's second. great. So the movie then follows Robin Williams' son. It doesn't follow him, but Robin Williams' son, who has been at college, is getting married. And so... He's 20. He's 20. The girl is 18. Yeah, just barely 18. Yeah, so they're getting married, and the family, her family... Gene Hackman and Diane Wiest, trying to escape a political scandal, decide to head down and visit the upstanding family that their daughter has lied, claiming that her fiancé is coming from. Right. And so the movie is all the hijinks of trying to appease them by hiding who they are, and then things go bananas. Yeah. The political scandal they're escaping from, boy, is it a scandal. It's, again, such a 90s Oh, yeah. Situation. Senator Kevin Keeley, her father. He's kind of like the number two of the Senate's it's 90s moral conservative yeah, wing. Coalition for Moral Something. He's the co-founder and the founder and president Senator of Senator Jackson the- from yeah. somewhere. They refer to him as a hick, so probably a West Virginia, Arkansas. No, they so- show it's just Virginia. Oh, Virginia. Okay. Yeah. And he dies while <laughs> in bed with an underage prostitute. Yeah. After, and they say his last words are, the money's on the dresser, sweetheart. Yeah. And so, obviously, this is all anyone can talk about in right. the news. And so, and everyone's trying to ask Keely, like, oh, you know, is this the moral society that you've been standing up for? So he's, like, sneaking into his house through the windows and stuff, and they're like, hey, you know what? 
She told us that her fiance's family are these cultural elites. The in, Greek attaché yeah, to the, the U.S. Cult, Greek cultural attaché. Yeah. And they've got this house in South Beach. We can go down and visit them. We can stay with the Bushes. That's the Jeb Bushes. Yeah. The governor at the time. Who lives very close by. But also, wouldn't he live in Tallahassee? Uh, depends. Maybe he's, uh, yeah. there's not in session. Yeah. They live on, like, Fisher Island or something. And yeah. she convinces them that it's basically the same place. Where every extra in South Beach is either... Beautiful and almost naked. Beautiful, yeah. Like, unless they're actively doing a job, like, waiting or something. Everyone else is just in thongs. Right. Equal opportunity thongage in this movie. There's a lot of equal opportunity thongage. I mean, we're gonna get into all of this. I feel like this is gonna be kind of a scattershot episode. Yeah. But the movie is great. It's a great movie. Does not follow a traditional act structure, I'd say. No, it's it was there a, a little mean, bit. It's a little bit, but it was hard to break down the, Certainly like, the romance is not the core of it. Right. Which makes it difficult for us. Yeah. So, honestly, the five points I picked are mostly just five points as a reference great because there's also three relationships that i think are worth talking about yeah speaking of things that are worth talking about before we get into the movie i just want to talk a little bit about the pedigree behind this movie it's insane it's wild we already mentioned it's shot by lubezki right after he got that first nomination for shooting a little princess with alfonso coron it's directed by mike nichols right who has an astonishing career i know i read his wikipedia page i was just like oh who directed this and i was like Oh my god. Yeah. The original director of Annie. The Which original, is really the only thing we should know him for, right? Just Annie, the sun will come out tomorrow? Didn't Isn't he the original director for The Odd Couple, too? Uh, some Neil Simon stuff. Was it The Odd Couple? Yeah, thing? I think The Odd Couple was Todd one Stopper's of them. Todd The Real Thing. Yeah. He directed The Graduate, Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf. He's the kind of guy who, his Wikipedia page, where it has the filmography column, it has a bonus column next to it just for Academy Award nominations, because so many of his movies got them. Even towards the end of his life, he's doing things like Charlie Wilson's War, the HBO production of Angels in America. This is an unbelievable career. And he started as, like, an improviser yeah, in with, Chicago. With Elaine May, yeah. who wrote this movie. It's insane. He started as just, like, a normal guy at the predecessor to the Second City and found Elaine May. They did a improv show together that was so popular, it was on Broadway. Yeah. And then he was like, I'll give directing a shot. <laughs> and that's, like, he just did it. Yeah. So, we did not properly understand Mike Nichols before this, but that's amazing. A part of my brain, I think, was confusing him with Jeff Nichols, who has directed, like, three movies. Yeah. Two among them that I really enjoyed are Loving, about the couple uh, Richard and Mildred Loving, behind Loving v. Virginia, the Supreme Court case, and Midnight Special, which is a cool little indie sci-fi movie with Michael Shannon and Adam Driver. Yeah. I think this might be the first of his movies that I've actually seen. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, you've got quite a list to look forward I know. to, then. For sure. Some of them are in the pile. They are? Graduate definitely is. I've got a copy of Charlie Wilson's War somewhere. Oh, wait. I watched that in class. Or, like, scenes from it in oh, class. Yeah. It was like, we were talking about Afghanistan. Yeah. And, you know, gotta fill class time somehow. There you go. <laughs> all right. So oh, should we... Oh, other... Uh, two yeah. other quick things uh, as well when we're talking about all the people involved. The son, Robin Williams' son, Val, is played by Dan Futterman. Right. Who also has an Oscar nomination for writing Capote. He won the Oscar for Capote, got a nomination for writing Foxcatcher, and is now co-creator of Hulu's The Looming Tower. And he's from Silver Spring. Oh, really? Yeah. I where did not we know record. That. Amazing. Uh, Futterman, come on the show. Uh, we'll name it after you. We'll call it The Futter Show. Yeah. Uh, Ryan Johnson, same goes for you. Same Another goes for Silver you. Spring native. Yeah. We'll call it The Last Podcast. Yeah. Um, was there someone else, I feel? Allie McBeal's in it. Yeah. <laughs> Callista Flockhart plays... 
Futterman's fiance. Yeah. Barbara. Barbie, as her mom calls her. Yeah, she doesn't like it. Chagrin. Yeah. And also Hank Azaria plays a Guatemalan gay butler. Yeah. Because if there's one thing Hank Azaria does, it is stereotypical performances of races that are not his own. Oh, yeah. That's yikesy. Apparently he was, like, learned his mannerisms from his friend who is a drag queen. Like, he practiced all of his mannerisms with that person. Some of, when you first see Hank Azaria and he's just, like, kicked back on the table, kicking those legs. Yeah. That's some pretty impressive work he's doing there physically. He looks good. Yeah, he does. Another thong wearer. Well, isn't everyone in this movie. Even if you don't see someone's underwear in this movie, they're wearing a thong. Oh, I'm sure. Like, this is a thong... I was gonna say thongtastrophe, but that's wrong, because a catastrophe would be bad. A thongtacular. Ooh, a thongtacular. Mike Nichols, 1996 epic thongtacular, The Birdcage. If any movie is deserving of that title, it is this one. That's the one. All right. Now that we've discussed thongs for more than most other things on this show. (laughs) We're not having points in this episode, we're having thongs. Yeah. But do we change the sound effect? I was about to say, should the sound effect just be Cisco saying thong to thong thong thong? I don't know that one. The Thong Song by Cisco. I don't know this. Okay. Hold on. You can never assume that I know music, unless it's by Stephen Sondheim, another part of the creative team of this movie. Um, there are a couple of different Sondheim bits in it. Mark Mothersbaugh wrote the score, but Albert as Starina sings a piece from Follies, and when he and Diane Weist are playing piano and singing together, they're singing the original opening number of A Funny Thing Happened on the Way to the Forum that later got cut and replaced with Comedy Tonight when the yeah. show originally failed, and they were like, whoops, we need to lift people up a bit. And he wrote Comedy Tonight for it. And then he actually wrote, Sondheim wrote two original songs for this movie. One that Nathan Lane sings when the dancer is like chewing gum and pissing him off. And he wrote actually an opening number that was supposed to play over that opening shot into yeah. The theater, but Nichols wound up replacing it with We Are Family. Right. Which winds up being a nice sort of theme song for the movie. Yeah, in it, a way that it really works. works. Yeah. Um, I also have a lot of thoughts on the drag at this club. Mostly that no one was tucking, which was a very interesting choice. Do you know what that is, William? Nope. <laughs> it's when you you can cut this if you think it's too too much. Okay. It's when you push your balls up inside you and tape your penis around. I mean, I guessed it was something like that. Behind you to present as flat-fronted. Interesting. Yeah. So they were not doing that? No, you could tell. I was not paying that much attention. I was checking. There was also no tipping, but I think that was more because it was very upscale. Oh, tipping the... Yeah, drag queens. Big part of that. Like, you should always tip your drag queens. Oh, good to know. Ladies and gentlemen. But it was definitely a more classy establishment. Definitely. I mean, there were Kennedys there, we're told. Yeah. And Robin Williams is disappointed that they can't get Ted to come in. (laughs) That would be amazing. Imagine if Ted Kennedy cameoed in this movie. It would not be that surprising. No, but by the end, they get a senator in the club. Oh, they do. I I never thought of that. I think he has a little bit of a good time in spite of himself. Oh, he definitely does. Yeah. And they're definitely... They want you to see that, too, I Yeah, think. they do. Especially when he's offended that no one will dance with him. Right. And it's de- it's genuine, too. It is. <laughs> That's what I like about it's it. It's the arrogance and pride of his character believing he should be the moral arbiter for the country. That arrogance and pride transposed into wanting people to think he's a great drag queen. Yeah. He has to do everything the best. Exactly. Like blowing up half of California to create a bunch of beachfront property. Oh, my God. It's an amazing plan. Yeah. Good lord. I really wanted that to I really movie. wanted that to be his legislative goal. Yeah. <laughs> Just like you take his Lex Luthor plot and you transport it to the 90s Republican Party. Uh, not unbelievable. Not implausible. Not implausible. Lex Luthor is definitely like a technocratic Republican. Yeah. Like he thinks of himself like Paul Ryan thinks of himself. Yeah. To put 
Kevin Keeley in perspective. I just saw this in my notes. At one point, he calls Billy Graham too liberal. Right. Yeah, I love that. He also calls Bob Dole too white at one point. <laughs> There's a lot of Bob Dole jokes yeah, he's in this. Like, Thank goodness I... Before Jackson dies in bed with the prostitute... Uh, Keely's like, thank goodness I aligned myself with Jackson instead of Dole. Like, he's listing all the things that are wrong with Dole, and, one of the, and the last one on the list is he's too white. Yeah. And this random hick, as they say, from Virginia isn't. Right. Wow, we really should start talking about the Oh, I thought you were going to play the song movie. for me. Oh, do you actually want to hear it? Yeah. I figured you would just put it in later in post. I, I will, but I want to hear it. <laughs> oh, it even takes place in Miami. Ooh. That's all you need to know about the Thong Song. Yeah, that is definitely not a song that I had heard before. I can't believe you've never heard the Thong Song. I definitely made a lot of Cisco jokes. It's S-I-S-Q-O. Interesting. Just so you know. Yeah. It I came out in 1999. Possibly influenced by the birdcage. It, it's impossible to prove is it's Is it a not. commentary track for the birdcage? They're <laughs> describing what they see on screen. Thong, 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 thong. She had dumps like a truck. <laughs> I don't know what that means. I, I, I mean, a dump it. is a turd, right? <laughs> no. So, dumps like a truck would be describing someone's turds. Guys, like what? Dumps like a truck. Modern poetry, Cisco. Wow. I can't believe you've never heard the thoughts. Yeah, well, I have now. And now uh, so has everyone else. Uh, I'm so glad I could bring you that joy. Yeah. Wow. All right. Should we uh, move on to thong number one? Yeah. Thong number one. Thong, 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 thong. So... The points are kind of structured around Val and Barbara, even though they're clearly not the most important relationship in this movie. Okay. Um, I was very glad that this was your pick, so I did not have to figure out the points. Yeah, it was it was tough, but because the plot of the movie kind of follows their relationship, it was just easier to do this. But the true core of the movie is Robin Williams and Nathan Lane's oh, absolutely. Armand and Albert. Yeah. What? Oh, it was so sweet. I love this movie. Yeah, the movie starts with... Albert, Nathan Lane, not wanting to go on stage for the show. He's feeling distressed. He has not gotten in costume. He's not ready to go. Meanwhile, Robin but Williams... Full, full beat, full makeup. Yeah, he's all made up. Robin Williams is going around with his big mustache on his face and his white silk pants and his wide lapel jacket with a big flower on it and a sash. He's Looking wearing slippers. Amazing. Yeah, he's living his best life. Robin Williams has to go up and like try to convince him to go on stage. Nathan Lane's going on like, oh no, you don't even want to be with me. I keep gaining and losing a bunch of weight for the show and you're not saying anything about it and i noticed white wine in your fridge and neither of us drinks white wine which means you're having an affair he's all very upset yeah at one point he accuses robin williams of making him short yes (laughs) it's a really fun scene to watch right you don't really think that this is like a relationship falling apart no not at all it's just like a normal tuesday night honestly And Robin Williams is able to convince Nathan Lane to go on stage. And while Albert is performing, Armand goes back up. And we are kind of led to believe that he is having an affair. Oh, yeah. Because he dismisses Hank Azaria. Yeah. Who has been calming Nathan Lane down by giving him hits of Pirin. Yeah. Which is just aspirin with the AS scratched off the pill. But he's convincing Albert that he's, like, giving him good drugs to make him feel better. Yeah. It's, oh, 
that whole opening scene of those it's, two fighting. This movie announces itself very quickly. Yeah, you know exactly what you're getting into. So Armand, it seems, is going to be meeting somebody. He has glasses set out. He has the wine chilled. He sends it Hank is Azaria, white. Right. He sends Hank Azaria home, and he's meeting somebody during the show. But it's not his lover. It's his son. It's his son, Val. So we figure this out later, but Armand had like a one-night thing with a woman and had a son, Val, but he and Albert have raised Val. Right. The woman... The mother, who we will get to. Oh, don't worry. We will get to her. The mother is, like, not in the picture, has never met the son. Right. She's not maternal in any way. I think, my guess, they never make it clear, but my, like, I guess that she didn't want the child, and Armand did. Yeah. So he and Albert raised Val. Um, Val shows up. He tells Armand that he's getting married. To a girl. To a girl. And Armand is pretty upset by this. Yeah. And it's... It's all. It's only because he's twenty. Like, right. He's worried about how young he is. That he's upset. He's like, I'm happy that you're happy, but maybe not now. Yeah. It's kind of like graduate college first, babe. Yeah. And at the same time, in DC, Barbara is telling her parents. Barbara, played by Clarissa Flockhart, is telling her parents that she's marrying this dude, but she clearly does not want to tell them the details of the Goldman's business practices and lifestyle because of her father's role demanding traditional morality, as he would put it. And she's not even 18. Or, no, she's just barely 18. She is 18, but yeah. Yeah, so she's just 18. And what I really appreciate about her is she was like, we're already having sex. She says, we've been sleeping together for a year. Yeah. So she's very frank. She is definitely not her parents' child. No, they not established that very early. But she also does tell them that Val's father is a cultural attache to Greece and that his mother is a homemaker. Of course. Her parents wouldn't have it any other way. Right, exactly. And they're already uncertain about the whole Greece thing. Right. I mean, Greece is kind of a, a shady country. Oh, yeah. You cannot trust... Those hot-blooded Southern Europeans. <laughs> yeah. Her dad definitely has prejudices against everyone. Everybody. But it's all it's all Gene Hackman, so you're like, he's terrible, but God, Gene Hackman is fun. Yeah. It's good casting choice, for it's sure. It's a great casting choice. I love it when, I think it's the next day, he and Diane Weist are sitting watching TV, and it's clearly like crappy knockoff Crossfire, and yeah. he's on it, just like shouting at somebody. It reminded me a lot of Jon Stewart, Stop Hurting America. Yeah. Um, but he, watching himself on TV, announces that it's the most intelligent show on television. It's just him yelling at somebody. And his wife is just like, this is amazing, too. Yeah. Great campaign fodder, because he's up for re-election, too. Right. Which is a big part of this. And I guess, you know, Virginia, it's not a safe seat for a Republican senator. No. Um, so he's very worried. More, more so in 96 than yeah. today. But he's still very worried about the election. Yeah, especially once... Yeah, it's probably the main thing. <laughs> once Jackson yeah. gets caught like oh, no, this. He's well, no, he's from Ohio. He's Ohio. He's from Ohio. Jackson's Virginia. Yeah, yeah. But once Jackson goes down, he's like, well, this is going to make me look really bad. And yeah. so it's Mrs. Keeley who comes up with the idea that sets the movie in motion. Yeah. Which is that she says, you know what? We're going to put depravity against morality. We're going to put tradition against sex. We're going to have a big white wedding that'll distract the media from this horrible, horrible news that we have nothing to do with and nobody should associate us with anything about that horrible hick jackson right and so what's his face kevin has been climbing in and out of the house through the window because there's a climbed over the barn one day yeah there's a whole horde of reporters outside um including one who looks eerily like brian baumgartner but isn't yeah it really threw me off for a while and so 
she tells them that they live in South Beach and they decide to drive to South Beach. <laughs> they drive from DC to South Beach. Oh my god, I can't imagine. Because they he say doesn't, it takes like worried. a week. It shouldn't take a week. I know. I think it's an exaggeration, but right. it definitely is a multiple day journey. Yeah, but he insists on driving because he doesn't want to get caught in an airport. He's like, they catch you in an airport, you can't leave. Right. You can't tell them where you're going. Yeah. And clearly... They have no idea what South Beach is, which is right. very fun when they first get they're there. They're like, oh, is that like Palm Beach? And they're convinced to go because it's near where Jeb Bush lives. Yeah. She does say it's not exactly Palm Beach. Right. Which you could say is true. That's true. <laughs> Just like <laughs> the moon is not exactly Palm Beach. <laughs> exactly. Meanwhile, back in South Beach, the next morning, Armand tells Albert about Val getting married. Right. After Albert's had his whole morning... He knows everyone on the street. Right. Goes to the bakery. <laughs> Says hi to everyone by name. Yeah. They Every all thong in sight name. is known to Albert. Yeah. He has a great glasses chain. Oh, yes, he does. Uh, and then he gets back and Armand tells him before Val wakes up. No, because Albert doesn't even know Val is there. That's true. Originally, that he's upset. He's thinking like, all right, like, this is it. You had a guy over. I saw the wine. Yeah. And Armand is like, nope, it was Val. Yeah. Go see him. He's asleep. Also, he's getting married. And (laughs) Albert freaks out, too. Oh, yeah. Crying, looking at baby pictures. Right. Looking at the birth certificate. Yeah. There's, like, Cub Scout patches in the scrapbook, too. And so the next point is... The next... Excuse me? The next thong. There you go. Is preparing for the dinner. Because once... The Keelys are going to be coming down. They're like, oh, well, we've got to have him over, have a nice dinner together. But you've got to maintain this charade. Right. If you will. This illusion. Illusions, Michael. Of the Greek cultural attache and his homemaker wife. Yes. And at first, Armand is pissed that his son is even suggesting this idea. Right. What? Are, what, are you because, embarrassed yeah. of your family, of us? And so he's really not happy about it, which is very fair. He gave a great speech about... Like, finally accepting who he is after 20 years, and he's now in a good place. And I was like, you go, Armand. Yeah. But then he eventually breaks down, and he and Albert basically have to train themselves to act straight. Right, and particularly Albert has a much harder time getting hang of it. But there is a fun sequence of events where they're going around, and Albert is trying to eat without sticking out his pinky. Yeah. Armand kind of gets in a fight. (laughs) Yeah, so what I enjoy is... Clearly, Armand is also bad at this. Yes. And it's, but he's more confident. But he's it. more confident. It's the blind leading the blind, for sure. Right. Because they both end up trying to act like John Wayne. I like watching them walk. Me too. <laughs> it was so They're funny. trying so desperately to walk straight. Yes. It's very difficult. Yeah. <laughs> it's a lot of rigid arms at their sides. Yeah. Like I said, they're trying to channel John Wayne. Right, exactly. Who they both love. Which John I Wayne's think great. is a great touch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They get into that fight with that guy, which was very amusing. Yeah, this huge dude. They're, like, ragging on him. And this dude stands up, and he's, like, a foot taller than Robin Williams. Just slugs him across the face. Yeah. So while that is happening, importantly, their apartment is above the birdcage. Yes. It's right above this hop-in drag club. Full every night. One of the most popular places in South Beach, apparently. And they live right above it. And it's a nice apartment. There's a pool on the roof of the on the roof of the club and it's dizzyingly laid out with all manner of artwork and sort of gaudy furniture yeah so they basically a number of statues with noticeable protuberances yeah the funny thing is the poseidon statue actually would have fit in well with the image they're presenting right yeah i thought that yeah too. but then a lot of them did you know 
it was not the most heterosexually designed apartment (laughs) in the world. So they basically Val makes them remove everything from the apartment. They do it. They get Albert to be outside of the apartment so they can do all the changes while he's gone. They like hang a giant crucifix over the fireplace. No, my favorite part is um, some of the queens from the club are helping. And so they bring in playboys because they're like straight people read these. And then at one point, they buy a giant moose head right. from a thrift store, and they're hanging that on the wall. They buy these chairs that they put into, like, the living room area that are clearly literally from a church. Yeah. They're these high-backed wood chairs with small crosses on the middle of them. It's like, that is the seat that a priest sat in during Mass. Yeah. And then later, they... um. They exchange the moose head for a giant crucifix. It's so big. And that's the only decoration they have on the wall. That's really the only one we see. Yeah, because the people show up and that's all they decorated. Yep. So this Jewish gay couple now live inside a church, essentially. Yeah, like a monastery. It yeah. looks like it's got stone walls. Uh, except the only slip up is when Hank Azaria is serving them dinner and he accidentally serves it in dishes that have, as Diane Weist puts it, two men playing leapfrog. Around the rim. They are Greek. (laughs) They are Greek. So yeah, they're practicing being straight. Albert doesn't know what's going on at first. Right. And they try to get him to go out of town. First, the pitch is to get him to leave town for the dinner. Yes. The next idea is that he can be the uncle, but he'll have to play straight if he's going to do it. Right. And so that's why they're trying to teach him to play straight. It's not working super great. No. (laughs) So they wind up giving up on that. I believe it's around the time that he puts on a suit and is like working hard to walk right, but that is wearing these bright pink socks that go like all the way up his leg. Which I didn't even notice is weird because that's like what people wear now. Right. Fun colored socks are very normalized at this point. Yeah, but I mean, that existed at the time. You've got George H.W. Bush already gone from the presidency. Yeah. But- I think the Kevin Keelys of the world are probably still not wearing pink socks. Oh, for sure. So then the other big part, thong number three. There we go. I was Um, worried you weren't going to say it. Oh, I got you. This is a thongtacular episode, Mark. Yeah. So Val, not Val. It get very confusing between Val and Barbara's names for some reason. So Barbara tells her parents that obviously... Armand has a wife, essentially, who, who is, is a, a homemaker. homemaker. So they good need- conservative woman, good strong family with American values. Yeah, so they need to find that. Right, they need a woman. And Armand says, "I guess we can ask your mother." What? And so this is a woman that Val has never met. Armand hasn't seen them like twenty years, basically since Val was born. Yeah, so they decide that this is the only option, and then, not any other woman. Not any other woman. Clearly, they apparently have no female friends yeah. at all. So Armand and Albert go to her office, and it's in a gym. It's called like Archer Athletics or something. And Albert sits in the waiting room. Armand walks into the office, and in the best moment in the film, guess who turns around? It's, it's Christine Baranski! It's Baranski! Or, as I put in my notes, all caps, Baranski, underlined, underlined. Yes, I was so excited. Like, I knew she was in it because she was in the ti- in the opening, the credits. opening credits, but it's still always such a blessing to see her on my <laughs> what screen. A She's amazing in this movie, She's too. She's great in everything. Yeah, so she plays Catherine Archer. She makes me want to get CBS All Access. <laughs> And not much can make me want to get CBS All Access. I've Basically, heard... Baranski and Star Trek. Yeah, I've heard good things about the the good fight. Yeah, um, that's why they called it that. It was originally billed as uh, the OK fight, and then they got Baranski <laughs> on board, and they're like, ah, oh, never mind. 
You should watch The Good Wife. I think you'd actually I know enjoy I it. They went to Georgetown. <laughs> so did Nicolas Cage in <laughs> National Treasure. I was realizing recently, Nicolas Cage in National Treasure 100% went to Georgetown because it's founded by Charles Carroll's brother. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I don't think we said that on the episode, but I- that is definitely why. Yeah. National Treasure, never far from our minds. National Treasure. That is reference number two. <laughs> National Treasure 4 should be Georgetown themed. I would love that. That would be so good. Um, National Treasure 2 is partially at University of Maryland. That's where his mom works. Oh, yeah. They have to go to his mom because she could decipher, I don't know, the location of Mount Rushmore. Because that's a movie that ends beneath <laughs> Mount Rushmore. Yeah, I Which totally... was an elaborate project to hide the city of gold. Let's watch it. Let's watch it. Okay. Book of Secrets! Open the book! Open the book. That's a different movie. <laughs> I caught some of that on HBO over the summer. It is quite dreadful. Is it? Like, yeah. fun enough to watch or just bad? I gotta think so. I'm down if I you are. I think it's so incomprehensible. We could do a thing on the romance between uh, Jacob Tremblay and Sarah Silverman. Because <laughs> that's a thing. <laughs> um, so back to Baranski. Sure. My new album coming yeah. out next year. Um, <laughs> back to Baranski. <laughs> Uh, so she's Catherine Archer. Yes. Who was a dancer with Albert at some point. Before either of them had made it big. Yeah. So they basically, I think what Armand says is like, I figured I'd see what all the straight men are talking about. And yeah. And decided to just. And it sounds like she initiated it where she was yeah. like, at some point I was just like, you know, I'll give it a shot. And yeah. he was like, eh, the straight guys say it's great. I'll give it a shot. Yeah. So they're still very friendly. Right. There's no They haven't ana- seen each other in a long right. time, but they have no ill will towards one another. Right. I was I was expecting like animosity or And it's kind of implied but... that he was an early investor in her company and yeah, helped it get rolling. Right, because she's clearly a high power fitness lady. Right. Another um, great nineties touch. Yeah. So she I think she says he allowed her to get this going. So I think after the birdcage must have taken off, he gave money to her gym. Yeah. But she's never met Val. He explains what's going on. She thinks it's a great chance to meet Val. I think that's the only reason she yeah, really Yeah, I think agrees. she's interested in the idea. Yeah. And so she's in. And now they have all the pieces in order. They right. have a giant be cross. All set. Giant cross, church chairs, Robin Williams in a suit now, as opposed to these silk pants he's been wearing for the whole movie. At one point, he's got like an open flowy shirt and a white tank top and a baseball hat. Such great costumes. All the costumes are great in this. Especially Nathan Lane's yeah. towards the end. Yes. <laughs> yeah, so I think we're moving on to thong number, four. number four. Yeah. Which is the dinner. So right before they find... Hank Azaria, who has been wearing cutoffs all the movie, is now wearing a very loose-fitting white suit. Oh, yeah. It's much too big for him. It's like a chef's outfit. Like, yeah. he's supposed to look like a caterer. He doesn't. <laughs> he does not. So Albert, last minute, realizes that he can't pull it off. He's not going to be able to be the straight uncle. Right. And he's upset that they, he can tell that they don't think so either. So he goes and locks himself in his room. Yeah, he storms out. And so now... It's just going to be Val and Armand and the three... Catherine Count. Archer. Keeley's. Is. Oh, and Catherine Archer, but she's they, running they, late. But she's running late. She's stuck at a drawbridge that's open. Not a drawbridge. What yeah. Is, drawbridge? That's is a drawbridge. That? Okay. I always think of that as castles. I feel like there's another but also highways. for it. Yeah. So she's stuck. I think the best touch was it was just a tiny little personal sailing ship that was going underneath it. Yeah. <laughs> that she's stuck. So she's infuriating. Yeah. So she's stuck in traffic. She's going to be, she calls and leaves a message saying she'll be half an hour late and that they should start dinner without her yeah. in character on the phone, right? Yes. Yeah. So the Keeleys show up and 
Oh my god, the dinner scene. It's so great. So, I mean, there's a whole sequence of them sitting around chatting for a while. Where In these monastic these chairs. These church chairs, and Armand yeah. is trying to sell it like, oh, you know, like, I'm very firm believer in cultural values. And, oh yes, Greece, isn't it wonderful, the time that I spend there as a cultural attaché. He overcompensates his handshake, gives an overly firm one. Yeah. Like, Which impresses Keeley. He's like, ah, good handshake. Yeah. Good, strong American man. And then... There's a whole running thing about how nobody knows how to pronounce their name, because their name is Goldman. They're saying Coleman. There's a whole thing about how it's Coldman, but the D is silent. <laughs> yeah. The senator seems to then have a full stroke in his conversation about why they drove. Yeah, he's he talks- very upset. He doesn't want to talk about the Jackson stuff. No, not at all. Gene Hackman basically talks for 10 minutes about how when a magnificent speech. Yeah. It's incredible. Yeah, why he wanted to experience the seasons, why he drove from D.C. to The beautiful country from north to south, and the north is also beautiful, but the south is wonderful. Yeah. (laughs) And it's clearly just like if you set a computer to make a speech and didn't give it a time to stop, and it would just keep riffing on the same phrases over and over again. Yeah. It's a magnificent speech. So they're all sitting there very awkwardly. Yes. Hank Azaria is supposed to be getting dinner ready, and it's not going well. He's not a cook. Right, he's not a cook. Baranski is not showing up. So there's this weird question mark hanging over the whole thing where they don't really know what she's going to do. The Keelys are confused. Like, where is this woman? And they're like, oh, she's visiting her mother because she cares so much about family. Oh, isn't that nice? Yeah. And then Albert happens. They're about to get started on dinner. Yeah. Without Bransky. And then Albert shows up. Albert walks in wearing the most ridiculous, like, Mamie Eisenhower dress. Pink, and like, dress with white lace all over it. A horrible wig. <laughs> so bad. And introduces himself as Val's mother. Yes. Who doesn't ever get a first name. No, she doesn't. She's just Mrs. Mrs. Coleman. Coleman. Yeah. Who they mention is from Grover's Corner, the town from our town. <laughs> is that really yeah. it? And at one point, uh, so uh, Albert says that at one point, and then when Armand gets annoyed with him later in the night, he starts making a bunch of cracks about Grover's Corners, and it's clear he's like making fun of him for having come up with that name. Yeah. But Gene Hackman is like, how dare he talk? Who has, Gene Hackman, who by now is like totally in love with Albert. Yeah. Has, loves Mrs. Coleman. Yeah, is like going on like, how dare he talk about Grover's Corners? You know, he's been in Greece. He's with those Europeans. He doesn't get the values of good American towns. Like this fictional one that doesn't exist, where half the townspeople are played by the same old man who's explaining everything that's happening. Oh, I didn't pick, I didn't get that reference. I love our town. It makes it so much better. Right, it's them pulling on these theater references, which we see a bunch of times. They play the Sondheim song during this party. They sing, I could have danced all night. Oh yeah, and earlier, I mean, clearly they're very well versed, because earlier, one of the best scenes when they're practicing the dancing... And the dancer that Albert is working with is chewing gum. Right. Robin Williams goes up on stage and does the full Fossey, 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 Martha Graham, Martha Graham. That's a great bit where he's doing like, yeah, like gum guy, just like kind of do whatever you want. Do whatever dance. Just look like you're adoring him. No. And then he says, just do it inside. Right. The dancer's annoyed that he's just supposed to stand there and look adoringly. Right. So Albert's solution is look at all the dancing you can do. Just keep it inside. Yeah. So the dinner goes, of course, ridiculously as Albert is winning his way over into the hearts of the Keeleys pretty darn successfully because he's talking just like one of their moral majority fellows. And taking it even further, Right. Too. So, like, for example, he claims not to know anything about the Jackson thing. He's like, I don't believe any of that. I think it's all made up just to make people look bad. And they're like, oh, Rush Limbaugh said that the other day. Yeah. Great. Uh, they talk about gays in the military. Right. 
Oh, but while this is happening, Armand has written a note for Catherine and put it on the door outside so that she doesn't come in because, you know, that would be Then there would be two Mrs. Coleman's. Yeah, but the National Enquirer journalist who has followed them down there. The guy who looks like Brian Baumgartner. Yeah, takes the note off. And so after they've basically pulled it off at this point, essentially. They've gotten to a point where it's basically working. Hackman has completely fallen for Albert. Like He's all in. Yeah, to the point where Diane Weist is now jealous. Right, yeah. But they're also, I love, they later on, they're having a conversation about all these scandals and how every, they're trying to back off the Jacks and stuff. They're like, every politician's got some scandals. It's all over the place. Even the people who are supposed to care don't care. Not Margaret Thatcher, of course. She was perfect. But they have this whole digression about how John Major probably had like eight mistresses. Yeah. He really hates Europeans. He really hates Europeans. He really hates them. And Albert was willing to hate them along with him, which is how he hated his way into Gina Hackman's heart. Yep. So then Baranski shows up. Baranski shows up and says, she's like, Hi, I'm Mrs. Goldman. Sorry, I'm late. And they're like, We've already been through this. What is going on? Why did you say Goldman? And at this point, they're like, who is the boy's mother? And Val, in a really nice moment, he pulls off Albert's wig, but he says, my mother's right here. Yeah. The wig that had already slightly fallen off. Yes. Which Barbara's the one to notice and is like, um, will you show me where the bathroom is, Mrs. Coleman? Callista Flockhart doesn't get a lot to do in this movie, but I really like the performance. I really do too. I think she does a good job with As just being what she like has. The person who is like very calm and straightforward has no problem with Albert and Armand, but is just like trying to navigate this thing in the least chaotic way possible. Yeah. Clearly she never anticipated them actually meeting. Right. Which was dumb because they're getting married. Yeah. But, you know, without that, we wouldn't have had the plot of the film. Exactly, right. (laughs) So then Val says, oh, I'll show you. And she goes, no, I need Mrs. Coleman. And then Val's like, oh, we could go. And she pulls Albert with her as they're leaving. And then Armand's just like, I'll go too. (laughs) Yeah. And so they're all trying to fix this wig. They're out of spirit gum. And they wind up talking Gene Hackman down. He's very upset. He's a little more upset that they're Jewish than that they're gay. Yeah. Which is perhaps reflective of some of the elements of his ideology. Yeah. Oh, boy. But anyway, they realize the Inquirer is there. Gene Hackman is, like, kind of convinced that it's okay because he had fallen so hard for Albert when he was pretending to be a woman. And as Albert puts it, he's like, I'm the same person. I'm just a man. Yeah. I'm the same person you liked. I'm just a man. Yeah. In a very 90s move, Val calls Albert his mother, which I was just like, ugh. Yeah. But Albert seems to definitely walk the line between genders. Yeah. And I I think Albert likes that idea. Yeah. Because it seems like it's the first time that Val's really acknowledged Albert as an equal parent. Yes. It was very touching. It was nice. Because the whole movie, I was a little annoyed and confused about Val and Albert's relationship. Mm -hmm. Like, whether... Albert was a parent or not. It was never really clear. Yeah, Albert, and the timeline of it isn't totally yeah, clear. Yeah, because I don't I don't think it's ever said how long they've been together. But I think that about takes us to thong number five. Oh, thong number five. So thong number five will be quick. This is just to wrap up the movie. Um, they need to figure out how to get the senator out of the club. Without the National Enquirer and seeing then this everyone upright else. moral senator yeah. in a gay dance club right. in South Beach. Yeah. And not just a gay club, a drag show. A drag show, yeah. So eventually they're sitting around coming up with ideas. They can't think of anything. And the senator says, I can't just walk right out of the club. And then Albert goes, what if goes, you could? What if you could? So then they dress him up as a woman. They dress him up as a, they dress all of them up as drag queens. As drag queens, yeah. Even like the senator's wife and Bar- uh, Barbara are full drag. Yeah. And then they play We Are Family again. 
there's like every queen in the club comes on stage. It's a great dance number. They all file out as couples. And um, we get a we get a cut to a wedding at the end. Yeah. And they get married. Yeah. There's a priest and a rabbi. And a rabbi, yeah. Which I was like, do they actually do co religious ceremonies like that, or would you just do a Catholic and then a Jewish ceremony? So you the Catholic Church would not do that. Right. A lot of Protestant Christians would. Really? Yeah. Okay. I was like, two officiants. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. One of the drag queens was wearing white at the wedding, which I thought was a little... Interesting. A little rude. Uh, But you know what that drag queen was also wearing? What? A thong. Probably. Because everyone in every scene is wearing a thong. Even Gene Hackman, even Diane Weist. If you're in the movie, it was a requirement. It was in the contract. Yeah. You had to wear a thong at all times. Mike Nichols was wearing one. Thong to thong, thong, thong. (laughs) When Stephen Sondheim came in to turn in his music, he had to wear a thong. You were not allowed on premises without a thong check. Okay. All right. <laughs> well, we've made it through the points. Um, I think as we go through our, like, end of show questions, I think we should talk about all three relationships because they're all important. Okay. So let's start with Armand and Albert. What do you think? It's great. It's I great... definitely think it's believable. I like it. I like how easy the relationship feels. Not that it is, like, easy to deal with day to day, but it feels like it's been in place for a long time, but is still engaging. Yeah. The bus bench scene when Albert's running away and yeah. Armand goes after him was so touching. And Albert says he's going to to a graveyard, basically. Yeah. And Armand is like, well, I already have a plot in this place, but I'm going to have to get it moved because even if we're be- both dead, like, I want to be next to you. Right. That's this really lovely scene. Yeah. And they sign a palimony. Which I looked up is essentially, like, what happens after you break up as friends. Mm -hmm. Clearly it's, you know, for this situation, I think, is what it was made for. Yeah. And And so, basically, Albert gets a half, like, kind of owns half of the birdcage. Right. Like, if they break up, they're splitting everything evenly. Yeah, it's Armand saying, like, you are fully a part of my life. Right. That's really nice. Ugh, I teared up a little bit. I'm a big fan. Um, where would you rate it? Very high? Very high. Yeah. It's one of our, like, we don't do, you know, we don't do a lot of long-term relationships. Yeah. And this is one of them. I'm not sure how high. I don't know. This is one of those Iron Man ones. Yeah. Where I can't really think of a reason to dock it. Yeah. I think this one even makes more sense than Iron Man. Because, like I said, it's a long-term relationship. Like, it's established. They clearly love each other. Is it 10? I think it's a 10. All right. Yeah. A very rare occasion. Very rare. But, I mean, like I said, they already love each other, so I think it's a believable relationship. Yeah, totally. Um, do you think they're dateable? No. God, no. <laughs> no. Albert would Absolutely be... Absolutely not. Albert would be so over the top. I, I would put it with Albert for such a tiny amount of time. I could be friends with Albert, but actually dating him would be... Oh, my gosh. So over the top. Absolutely not. Um... Armand's a little chiller. Armand's a little chiller. I still don't think I could do it. I could maybe date Armand. He has money. He's got that stash. He's got that stash. Yeah, that's good stuff. Um, do you think they'll stay together? Yeah, I do. Obviously. I really do. What do you think the the senator and his wife, Kevin and what's-her-face, Keely? They're a lot of fun. They're a lot of fun. Yeah, I don't like them particularly, but they're a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, I would. I think that they make sense. Yeah, they're they both clearly political animals. Yeah. Um, also directed by Mike Nichols. No, Primary Colors was Mike Nichols. Yeah, because she is just as ruthless about this campaign as he is oh totally i mean that's she proposes big wedding as a political move yeah which i liked yeah they're great together what do you think is their relationship yeah. as believable totally i don't know because i mostly think so i think he, their characters he did, are more cartoonish he did fall in love with albert <laughs> like 
I think Look, I might dock him a point for that one. Like, Kevin I think Keely it's still a nine. Might have some stuff to work through, but he never will. Yeah. I think, personally, I think it's a nine because of how quickly he obviously fell in love with another woman. Okay. I think he's just dazzled by someone who so aggressively agrees with him at even going beyond him. Yeah, that makes sense. It's as much an intellectual crush. Do you think they're dateable? No. Not at all. I mean, for some people. Yeah. But not me. Not me. Uh, finally, Val and Barbie. Val and Barbara. They're nice. We don't see a ton of them. No. They seem like nice people. Yeah. I don't think it's believable because they've been together for a year. I believe it. I don't like it. And are planning on getting married. I believe it. Yeah. I don't love it. But they both seem so like... Level-headed. Level-headed and modern. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's very weird. I also don't understand why they had to be so young. The movie would have made just as yeah, much I don't, sense that, if they that's were That's a older. weird one. I don't know. Um... I don't know. Where would you rate them? Eh, probably a little bit lower, but yeah. I still believe it. Seven. Seven? Yeah. yeah. All right. Do you think they're dateable? Yeah. I'd say both of them. Yeah, I'd say that the only two dateable Yeah, if you had to date someone in the movie, who would it movie? be? Um, <laughs> Not the driver. That guy was a dick. Yeah, that guy was terrible. Um, I, it's probably Barbara for me. Yeah, probably Barbara. She seems nice, level-headed. Yeah. I'm mad at Val for forcing his parents to go through that. Yeah. That's, that was the thing, too. Like, Val didn't always make the best choices. No, it was really annoying. Yeah. Because he was also so mad at his dad. Right. Throughout the whole time, even as Armand is trying his best. And I was like, you're the piece of shit that put him through this thing. Yeah. So, yeah, Barbara. Barbara. She's great. Close yeah. to Flockhart. Good job. Yeah. I think that does it. Yeah, probably. So before we go, it I'm is so excited. Of course, time for an update on our hashtag PD summaries, courtesy of Rachel R. This week we have passed the Princess Diaries, and we've now got a recap of Princess Diaries Volume Two: Princess in the Spotlight. <clears throat> this book begins with the revelation that Helen is pregnant with Mister G's baby. This is Mister Gianni, the math teacher. Is Helen her mom? Yes, Helen's okay. her mom. She's supposed to keep this a secret, parentheses, illegitimate child, yada, yada, yada. She is also supposed to do this talk show as her first official duty as a princess. Oh, Mia. Mia is supposed to keep the pregnancy a secret and do her first official talk show as the princess. A talk show. Ah, the 90s. Uh, so she has to go to the Plaza Hotel after school every day. Ah, the 90s. Where her grandmother is living to get princess lessons. She hates princess lessons. She gets a sore throat and wants the interview to be canceled. She didn't really want to do it anyway. But then she starts getting notes from a secret admirer and is so intrigued that she stops being sick and does the interview. It goes very poorly. For example, she reveals that her mother is pregnant. So Grandmare declares that Mr. G and Helen must now get married and flies in the Royal Genovian Wedding Planner. And it turns into this whole huge production. Mia's supposed to be a bridesmaid. The wedding is on a Halloween, which is a bummer because Mia and Lily and Michael and their friends always go see Rocky Horror Picture Show. But right before the wedding, Mia finds out that her dad helped Helen and Mr. G escape to Mexico to elope. So she sneaks out and goes to the movie, where she finds out that her lab partner Kenny is the secret admirer who was sending her the notes. It was Kenny all along. Side note, he's been around doing both of their biology homework since the first book. <laughs> She's bummed that it isn't Michael, but she decides to be his girlfriend anyway. Also, this may be a case of me getting the books out of order, but I think this is the one where Mia has a sleepover with Lily and some of their friends, Tina, the daughter of the oil sheik at all, and during a game of truth or dare, where she picks dare because obviously if it's a truth, she'll get asked who she likes and she can't admit to Lily that she likes Michael, drops an eggplant out of her apartment window. She then finds out that doing things like that is illegal. Wow. That princess was in the spotlight. Wow. That sounds like she's really dumb. Like Why? The eggplant thing? The eggplant thing, the revealing her mom's pregnant. Yeah. Like, after being explicitly told not to. 
Yeah, I'm into the hollow wedding. I'm, I can't decide if that's a great idea or a terrible idea. Depends on how into the theme you want to be. Yeah. Like, do you want it to be a hollow wedding, or is it just a wedding that happens on October 31st? Because yeah. you could pick a different day. Yeah, that's true. We uh, still don't have a new hashtag, I don't think, out of that. So we're going with hashtag PD summaries. Get at us with your ideas. Looking ahead to other things besides new hashtags, next week we're changing gears in a dual attempt to increase the diversity in the stories that we're doing like we did this week, Um, and also to cut into the aforementioned pile of DVDs I've accumulated over the past year. So we're going to be covering Tim Story's 2002 movie, Barbershop. Until then, you can follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Heart of Podness, and you can email us movie suggestions or questions at heartofpodness at gmail.com. Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe. It really helps other people to discover the show. Last question. What's the best piece of dating advice you got from this movie? I feel like the answer is just be Christine Baranski. I think that's the only piece of dating advice you can get out of any film with Christine Baranski This is true. In it. So, you know, there that's you it. go. That's the only piece of advice. Just be Christine Baranski, and if you can't do that, sorry, you'll die alone. Yep. Happens to all of us. Yep. Until next time, I'm a ginger. And I'm gay. So between the two of us, we know everything there is to know about romance. Bye. Bye. Bye.